And now, live in studio, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. He's a successful entrepreneur, published author, top listing agent, a real estate and finance expert that goes to bat for you every day as a consumer advocate. Your host and the consumer quarterback, Brandon Rhymes. Hello, everybody. Not exactly Brandon Rhymes. Actually, I'd be Brandon Rhymes in Bizarro World. This is Ian Beckles filling in for Mr. Brandon Rhymes. This is a computer, uh, the consumer quarterback show, and it'll be me for the next hour or so. And um, I'm here to learn just like you guys. And uh, I believe that's what this show is all about. Brandon's an intelligent young man, but he likes to bring uh, intelligent young people on with him. And we pick their brains a little bit, and uh, that's what the show is all about. So today we have three distinguished guests. Uh, first, we have, hope I pronounce this right, I'm going to get it right, Leo Cannon. Yeah, I've never been called distinguished before, so uh, it's quite an honor coming from well, Ian. Probably the first and last time, so enjoy it. Awesome. It's all good. So uh, Leo <laughs> Cannon from Barrel Engineering, uh, about foundations and roof and home inspections and the whole nine yards. Uh, so we're going to talk a little foundations and home inspections and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely got to make sure your house withstands all the sinkholes and hurricanes and tornadoes and, and, mm -hmm. and Hawaiian volcanoes out there. Yeah, those volcano stuff and that lava stuff is, is scary. I don't know what's more, what's scarier is wind or lava or earthquakes or, or water. Well, if the sinkhole's big enough, you can actually get the magma. That's pretty scary. Sinkholes are scary. Especially since the sinkhole ate that guy up while he was sleeping that time at mm -hmm. night. Yeah. After that one, that, I don't want to go out that way. That seems like a really terrible way to go out. That'd be a weird dream. No doubt about it. All right, let's go down the line. We have Christy Arkovic, right? Uh, yes, Arkovic, actually. Arkovic, okay. Uh, that's uh, a student loan attorney. Almost as scary as lava. <laughs> I would say yes, because if you need a student loan attorney, that means something went wrong, correct? It, it does, um, but a lot of people don't recognize that we're out there to help in reducing payments, eliminating payments, um, because people have such student loans now that mm. they're expected to pay those until they die, uh, and we try to correct that. So if you have a student loan that you're not trying to pay, you're trying to say that it was unjust? I mean, you know what you're going into, don't you? Uh, no, what we're trying to do is take advantage of different government programs, and for private loans, we're trying to settle the balances, because you'll have somebody with a $75,000 balance making $800 a month not making a dent because of the high interest. Sure. So we're not trying to necessarily argue they're unjust. We're trying to use um, you know, this is a consumer show. We're trying to use consumer violations to reduce the debt, eliminate the debt where possible, just minimize it. You know, normally we don't get rid of the entire loan, but if we can drop it to a payment that's affordable and with an end in sight, mm -hmm. our clients are very happy about that. Just making it reasonable. All right. Well, definitely we're going to come back to you in a second. We also have Ron Fuller from Mossy Oak Fence. What's up, brother? Ian B, man. I love your energy. Good to be on with you. You have a lot of energy yourself, I've noticed. <laughs> That's a good thing. Absolutely. I, there's such such exciting guests today. I don't know what I could talk about to top, especially Leo. But I want to talk about posts. I want to talk about rotting wood and mm -hmm. why we use uh, galvanized steel. So whether you have sinkholes, lava, whatever you're going to deal with, <laughs> we're going to try to build a fence to take care of that. Yeah. So at the bottom of the sinkhole, you'll still see our fence standing up. So if there's a, if we notice lava coming, uh, which I don't know if we've had a lot of situations with, can you get, can you make kryptonite poles? 
Man, I'll tell you what, Ian. I heard about a 2,000-pound lava rock that hit a tourist ship in Hawaii. 2,000 pounds. 2,000 pounds. One time. Nobody died. Wow. And nobody died. Nobody died. How does that, that, how does that happen? People die by <laughs> getting... Somebody died at Bush Gardens by a single bullet falling and hitting him in the head or something. How did you, die? How did you not yeah. kill anybody with a 2,000-pound flaming rock? <laughs> exactly. How does that happen? I, I don't know. Back in the day with the trebuchet, the 99-kilogram rock flung 300 feet, killed quite a few people. Yeah, I'm, I'm not into flinging rocks myself. What I'm about the penny from a 14th floor? What was the story with that? Oh, yeah, uh, went through went through completely through someone's body. Well, yeah, I've heard that before. Really? But I haven't seen the Mythbusters episode on it to know whether or not it was real. And that could be something that people just have been saying forever, yeah. like an old wives' tale, you know? 14th floor? Nah. Not the 14th floor. Now, the top of the World Trade Center, I get it. You know, yeah. I get yeah. that, you know, but just, you know, the 14th floor has got to be hard now. Cats think. can survive that kind of fall. Yeah. <laughs> I think a, a penny would bounce off my rock hard head from the 14th floor. It's not getting through. I'm telling you, this head has been tested. <laughs> okay, and it's a, it's very hard. Trust me, it's, it's definitely been tested. Now, uh, you, you're all about home inspections. You're about you know foundations and 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 roofs. Um, tell us something about roofs that maybe the average person doesn't know. Because, like, as a house owner, when somebody says I need a new roof, that's like the worst thing I could possibly hear in my life. Because that's the roof and the air conditioner are two things that you when you replace them, you know, your your house doesn't get any better. Oh, it doesn't look. It doesn't look any better. It's just spending lots of money. Okay, what is there anything to do that some ham and egger like myself can do to preserve your roof, or is it just about time? It's mostly about time. I mean, if you have leaves that fall onto your roof, like we will in October, November, when the, all the oak trees just go from green to brown, um, when those leaves are on the roof, if you let them sit there, if you let them sit in your gutters and your valleys, that's gonna that's just gonna hold moisture and eat away your roof. So. Get up on your roof. Make sure that you're sweeping the leaves off. Don't do any pressure washing. Amen to that. Don't mm. do anything like that. Just just get the leaves off the roof, and that can help preserve the life. And, and as far as you get a new roof, there are different colors. There mm. are different types of shingles. If you have the old three-tab shingles that look like basically barbecue bricks, mm. you want to get the ones that have all the, the multiple flappies. They're called tabs over each other because those will last 25 years, where the other shingles won't last 15. And the price difference is like 100 bucks. And you said don't pressure wash? Don't pressure wash. Yeah. Your roof at all? No, there's some HOAs that say you must pressure wash your roof every so often. They're just asking for their roofs to be destroyed. So pressure washing in general is, bad, is terrible for you. It's roof. like a mini hurricane. You yeah. leaf blowing, yeah. pressure washing. You just, you're subjecting your roof to high pressure, mm -hmm. high wind, and a lot of moisture. That's exactly what you want your roof to protect you from. You wow. know, Leo, yeah, it's, it's true. And you'll actually see the granules after a pressure washing. The mm -hmm. granules, the very thing... That is supposed to protect your shingles mm -hmm. is in your gutters or uh, on the ground because they just got pressure washed. Wow! So you see what we see? What we learn here? We're learning a lot of things. Yeah, it'd be no different than putting a, a fence in the ground and putting all the posts that are very wood wood rot susceptible. Mm -hmm. Like a what kind of material is bad? Like a like a cheap pine. Cheap pine, yeah. Cheap pine, yeah. right in the ground. It mm -hmm. only lasts a couple of years at that point, and that's gone. Do you even make wood fences anymore? Oh, absolutely. Uh, which it's not my turn, but we're going to talk about that. The type of wood and where the wood comes from it makes a major difference. I'm sure. I mean, to me, you know, the other materials that are out there make a lot more sense in wood because they the other ones don't rot. Okay, so but obviously, this, do people still like the feel of a, of a wood fence? The, the look and the feel of, of wood. What we use is we use kiln dried cedar, and our posts are galvanized steel. 
So we actually get into a, a material that gives you that that wonderful warmth and look of, of wood. Mm -hmm. But we've eliminated the pro problem. And the problem is the rotting wood post. That's where your failure's at. And the other issue is pine fences. The, where the pine is harvested today, it's Central America. It's grown too quickly. It's way too soft. We use kiln-dried cedar, which is what grandma would put her 100-year-old hope chest that's that's a, a wood that uh, actually detracts and deters bugs and uh, has natural fungicides in the just in the chemistry of the wood. Wow. And there's, there's like that with the shingles, too. I mean, you got algae side built into the shingles to help protect it from algae growth and mm -hmm. discoloration. I mean, there's a lot of different science techniques out there that are in building practice to help things last longer as long as you invest the extra $5 every 100 square feet to do it. No doubt. And a lot of people are trying to be cheap. They go down to Home Depot, they get the cheapest available, and then they wonder why they're replacing it in 10 years. Cheap doesn't normally work, and that's that's unfortunate. And cheap, cheap doesn't work with education either. No. Now, folks uh, went to those ITT schools, Corinthian, yeah, Everest. They didn't do well. Didn't do well. Huh? Like and for they my, weren't even cheap. No. And, and for myself, you know, I, I had a full scholarship when I went to uh, Indiana University. It was... Uh, Awesome. I was an athletic scholarship, which was wonderful, or else I wasn't going to school. I didn't have that money. So uh, I was blessed. And then after I played my rookie year here for the Buccaneers, I went back to graduate, and I had to pay for schooling. So sure. I really understood did how you, important it was. You did know? you go to a state school then when you went back? And I went to back to it? Indiana. Yeah, I went okay. back to Indiana. Okay. And uh, first of all, I realized uh, for the average person out there how much easier their life was than mine was you know, in athletics. You know, being in athletics, you know, people, we still have to do the same thing scholastically, mm -hmm. but we yes. we have to get up in the morning and lift weights yes. in the morning. Right. We got to yes. go to practice. We got to travel. And now I went back and didn't have all that stuff to do. It made, I was like, man, this was yeah. actually, school, going to school was fun. Great point. Now, now tell us that, that schooling is important enough to get yourself in debt $75,000. Because some people say that schooling is not important. Obviously, it's important for me because I went back to graduate. But let us know how important schooling is still. Sure. Um, well, in some regard, school isn't for everyone. You know, nowadays, though, a BA is almost a high school diploma, a mm -hmm. bachelor's degree, four-year degree. And if you don't have that, you really sometimes can't get an other than an entry-level job. You can never move up in your field. Um, so I do think it's important, but I think uh, selecting the school that you go to, making sure that uh, hopefully it's a state university or a private school that has a good reputation, check out the reputation of the school. Uh, don't assume that the Department of Ed is really working on your behalf with accreditation because they're hmm. not. And I've seen some sad stories out there. Now, what's sad is when I'm hearing people talk about their student loans and what they're going through and how long it takes them to pay back. It it's almost sounds un-American in some ways because what I'm hearing about other countries that are paying for their kids' yeah. education. And we we, can't, we don't pay our teachers. And we don't really help our students either. And to me... I mean that's the that's the future. Doesn't that make a lot of sense for us to pay for our for for our kids' education, or at least help them out a little bit? Well, our system in America doesn't really provide anything other than say Pell grants. The military has some subsidization, uh, but for someone just attending school out of the boat, you've got uh, just standard loans, okay. whether they're federal or private. We're gonna take a quick break. Sure. We're gonna come back and we're gonna touch on a few more things. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. This is the Consumer Quarterback Show. Hey, this is Grant Cardone, and you're listening to Consumer Quarterback Show, hosted by my friend Brandon Rhymes. Do not touch that dial. I'll come right through the radio and grab your throat. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-670-7372, online at ConsumerQB.com.
You're listening to the Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes, online at consumerqb.com. Brandon is Tampa Bay's number one consumer advocate for real estate and financial advice. Call Brandon today at 813-670-7372. Welcome back. Ian Beckles filling in for Mr. Brandon Rhymes, and uh, we're trying to blend in three different things uh home inspections and student loans and fences uh, but, it's, but it's, it all works the banter's <laughs> working this is not your first rodeo anybody here and everybody has their own little um, you got to get rid of the student loans in order to buy the fence and buy the roof and correct buy the house. And, all, and there's a correlation between everything now i have to ask you uh, as somebody this is a uh, ron fuller from mossy oak fence uh where did the name come from first of all uh ian b that's a great question so the founder of Mossy Oak Fence, Shane and Brandy Miller, one of the uh, first fences they installed in Florida. When the job was done, sun was setting, and it was just it just went really well. And there was just that beautiful oak tree with the moss hanging. And um, you know, we're outdoorsy people. We love wood and uh, love trees. And that really is just as simple as that. It That's was it. just that vision after the first install and and uh, it just kind of stuck and how, how long has mossy oak fence been around uh we've been doing this about 20 years started in atlanta georgia came down to uh central florida approximately a dozen years ago wonderful now i have to ask uh christy uh, as far as the uh, we're talking to christy arkovich right yes okay uh who's a student loan attorney that sounds very I, i'm gonna say you're pinboarding what exactly what you need, okay? This seems too small for me, for a, st or a student loan attorney. Well, the reason we refer to it that way, because a lot of people don't think they need anyone on their side. You okay. know, they think they're talking with their loan servicer. The loan servicer is going to give them all their options, their best option. The loan servicer, though, does not represent the borrower. Their, their client is the creditor. So why would they have any responsibility to describe any options, figure out the best one, People need an advocate on their side, so that's why we call it student loan attorney. It's not an official designation by the Florida Bar, mm -hmm. but it's a way to help get word out that there is someone to help those folks. Because when we see someone come in, they're usually not doing the right thing. They have no idea what the options are. They're just paying buttloads of money every every month, and they're not getting anywhere. So we're trying to fix that. Now, how does somebody pay you if you have a student loan attorney and you're trying to eliminate a bunch of you know bills for student sure. loan? How do they pay you? Um, well, our fees are very low, and we offer installment plans. And if there are consumer law violations, like if there's cell phone calls or um, uh, things on credit reports that aren't supposed to be or debt collection letters that don't have the proper language we sue for those violations and if we prevail we get our fees from the other side from the creditor so many times our client may not have to actually pay us wonderful now we have Leo Cannon here from uh, Barrel Engineering and he had a question for you go ahead yeah I mean I, I run into this a lot especially with my employees they've co-signed for a brother or sister it's been two or three years the the brother or sister is making their payments how do they get off the loan well, there's a couple ways. Um, there is a, a market out there that refinances private student loans. Uh, the borrower has to have a pretty decent credit rating and a good job in order to continue to make payments on the loans. And another way is the co-borrower can buy out their responsibility. Uh, sometimes they have to pay lump sum, you know, all at one time, 20 to 50 cents on a dollar, but they can buy out their responsibility so it no longer shows on their credit report if, for instance, the relative's not making payments or they're not making timely payments, so they're getting, you know, dinged on their credit. So there are a couple ways to get off. So that would be like a gift? If I pay 20 cents on the dollar on someone else's loan, it disappears from their principal or the company just pockets it? 
Uh, well, it disappears from their principal, and um, you basically are 100% liable, so it's not really a gift to the relative. It's just that you paid your portion because as a co-borrower, you're not only allowing your credit to be used to qualify for the loan, but you're promising to repay the loan if the original debtor does not. And so you're paying that loan down, and therefore it does come off the balance. Wonderful. Now, I have to ask you, Leo, home inspection, that's pretty much what you're getting just after you purchase the house, correct? Well, it, it was part of the home inspection of what we do is when you put an offer in on the house um, and it's accepted by the seller or the buyer, and then they hire a third party, which would be us, to do the inspection, tell them what, what they're getting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the sellers do it in advance because they want to know what, what they're putting up on the market. They don't want to be dinged by a report later. Buyers do it. But um, to tie back into Christy, uh, the type of inspection we do a lot is when someone has an insurance claim and they send an insurance adjuster out there, that insurance adjuster who's saying how much how, how much your home is damaged, they work for the insurance company. Sure. It's important to have a third party, an advocate that works for that homeowner, trying to make sure that the adjusters are actually adjusting the correct damages. So we do quite a bit of those inspections too, because you can never trust a biased individual. If he comes out there, she comes out there, I represent the company. They're not, they don't have your best interest. Absolutely not. And what would a homeowner know? I have no, I have no knowledge about my roof <laughs> other than it's I true. have one. So I would never be able to counter anything. And I had, a, uh, I purchased a, ho a home about a couple of years ago and we went through the home inspection and they got to this flawless, flawless home inspection. And I think we talked about this and after I'm in the house for two weeks, you know, it seemed like everything started to break down like immediately. So, I mean, what what can you do to to pre prevent that? Is there anything you possibly do? Well, you can just vet your home inspection companies. I mean, any service provider, like even the fence fence company, you're 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 investing in a service. So, um, as an option, so a lot of, a lot of people don't want to get heavily in debt through school. Become a tradesperson. Mm -hmm. Make become an electrician, a plumber, uh, a carpenter that does fence work. Build yourself up through the ranks into supervisor. I know a lot of tradespeople who make close to six figures and they have a high school education. Mm -hmm. They have no student debt and they, they're in the mid-20s making about a buck 20 a year, $120,000 a year, and they have a, they have a useful skill set. And long term, they can get into supervision. There's a lot of different avenues for them. So I agree. Not everyone's destined to college, and mm -hmm. you can make some serious money doing that kind of work. Skill set is, is, is well said. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I have good friends of mine that um, are started off as roofers, and now they own roofing companies. They're making very, very, very good money. You're learning the business. You're learning the craft. What's right and wrong? You make the mistakes. Uh, same with yourself, uh, Ron. Mm -hmm. um, Mossy Oak Fence. You. How long have you been? How long have you been yourself in in the fence business? Well. Yeah, there's a lot of things I like to tie into all this discussion. You know, one, one thing that I love in the morning at our plant in Tavares, we have 17 crews going out every day. So there's 17 groups of people that are installing fences. A lot of jobs are created. You know, this country, we used to manufacture things, and people would be suited for certain types of jobs. Some, some cats are not digging, sitting behind a desk. <laughs> um, and so this... The idea of getting our trades back and manufacturing again is really exciting to me. You know, it's my children. I'm so proud of my daughter at UCF. She is debt-free due to her grades. Uh, but I've, I tell my kids I'd much rather give you a down payment to a home or, or help you start a business. I want you to go to school, get your degree, but I want you to pay as you go. I don't want that degree to be four years to party. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to be excuse that I'm, I'm guaranteed a good job because I have this degree. I would rather set them up with practical things and allow the college education to be a supplement 
but grab the skill set that you have. Welding, I know people need welders. Uh, there are specialties with aluminum welding. There's so many things out there. Uh, to, to see us manufacturing again really excites me. Love to go to Home Depot, open up a refrigerator and see Made in the USA. Mm -hmm. I think we need to get back to that. So, Chris, can we though? Is that even, is that even a possibility? Because I mean, I'm, I'm, that's mm -hmm. that's in a perfect world. That's mm -hmm. awesome. That like we 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 all buy USA USA. Mm -hmm. That's in a perfect world. That's wonderful. But yeah. like uh, Harley Davidson, okay. Uh, if it costs you twenty two hundred dollars more to make one here, you're going to go somewhere else and make it. I it, mean, it's it's funny, Ian B. I, I'm a Harley rider, and I, I know a lot of guys that ride. We we we'll spend more to to uh, to to buy American, even if it means that uh, we're spending substantially more. But I know not everybody agrees with that or, or follows that philosophy. But um, you know, I, I have family in the Dalton, Georgia area. We're manufacturing flooring. Uh, not only carpet in Dalton, but uh, hardwood flooring. Uh, there's there's Whirlpool doing a lot of work in Tennessee. So we do manufacture a lot of things in this country. Uh, it's it's kind of, you know, the idea is if we're taking care of ourselves, the, the way I see it is, is a strong, prosperous America is going to be a safer world. And Ron, your advice for parents, you know, your suggestion about maybe putting down the down payment of a house or starting mm. a business, that is terrific advice because we see a lot of parents taking on what we call parent plus loans. They have high rates of interest, eight or nine percent. They're not based on that parent's income or how long they might be still in the workforce. And they get in trouble just as much as the kids do. And the problem is, is that they, they can have their Social Security offset. They can have their taxes wow. intercepted. Um, and, and it can be problematic. So I think uh, parents need to watch what they sign on behalf of their kids as well, whether it's co-borrowing a private loan or taking on a federal uh, parent plus loan. If you really think about it, um, you know, it's it's kind of ritualistic here in, in the United States of America. But, you know, as parents, you want to spend a lot of money on, you know, weddings and stuff like yeah. that. You really think about it. It's pretty stupid. Yeah. It's really, yeah. truly you, stupid. You, You're going to spend $50,000 on a wedding, yeah. and then they're going to struggle for the next 10 years yeah. paying for the rent. It doesn't make any sense. A&B, you're right. Can you imagine get, setting up a young couple with the down payment on a home? Do you want to have a $50,000 wedding that you're going to forget about? Some relatives you don't like. Some relatives do get drunk and do, embarrass you. <laughs> or a down payment you're set up for yeah. a home uh, set up financially because that wedding is, is here and gone. It's one afternoon. And then it's gone. Well, other, other than the five pictures that you get. Other than the five pictures. You know, one thing Christy and I were talking about, ENB, we were talking about how exponentially the cost of college went up with the advent of loans. Absolutely. And, you know, I did the whole Florida prepay thing, which saved me. Without that, I'd be in big, big trouble. But I'm looking and I see the, you know, how much colleges cost out of state and I don't know how anybody can send their kid out of state. It's amazing. The problem is you don't have lender responsibility. Uh, you have loans that are backed by federal mm. subsidized money or federal money, and no one's making a decision um, objectively on whether it makes any business sense for the student or for the school. We're going we're gonna to come back and we're going to touch on that a little bit and bankruptcy and how we can get around those things. Don't go anywhere. Ian Beckles filling in for Grand and Rhymes. It's the Computer Consumer Quarterback Show. We'll be right back. This is work done, and you're listening to... You're listening to The Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. Online at ConsumerQB.com. 
All right, once again, Ian Beckles filling in for Brandon Rhymes. We're hanging out here with Leo and Christy and Ron. We're kicking it back and forth. Now, Leo, um, you're with Barrel Engineering. It's, it's all about foundations. Now, uh, I have a new building that I'm in now on West Shore and Gandhi. Uh, new building and not a new building. For me, it's a new building. And for somebody going into it, I didn't purchase it, but it's something that I'm looking to purchase maybe in the, in the, fu in the future. Uh, Cracks for me are intriguing, okay? Because as somebody who's that's kind of your expertise, uh, when you see cracks in a building, um, what should be your mindset? Because you sometimes you see somebody buy a building, there's a crack in it, you're like, oh, it's a crack, it's not a big deal. And then two years later, you find out that there's either sinkholes or some kind of malfunction, something's going wrong where your building's screwed. What, what, what should we look for with cracks? I mean, not, I've become something of a crack expert in the, in the past <laughs> decade, but uh, most of the cracks. That might 90, come back to hurt you later. 90, 95% <laughs> of the cracks out there are, are just. They're nominal. They're buildings settle. Um, just imagine a cat jumping onto a, piddle, a pillow. It's going to push down on the pillow in a couple of places, then it's going to make itself all snug. Okay. And then after it gets all snug, it's going to just sink a little bit more. And that's what houses do. They do a little bit of sinking mm. after they're built, just like that cat, only the building of a house isn't like a cat tearing up a pillow. Mm. Uh, but that's just natural. So you'll get these natural cracks. Um, what ends up happening, though, is the paint starts to get too old. And then water starts getting into the stucco system those cracks aren't normal or what happens is the uh, builder built the house too fast they don't let the stucco sit long enough before they put the paint on and then cracks start to form because the paint's not there or sometimes you put an addition on a home you didn't compact the soil so now you've got two homes on two different basically foundations starting to pull away from each other that forms cracks so i mean the cracks could be any one of a number of things but true structural sinkhole type cracks or major settlement that takes years and decades of neglect to get there okay well that's that's good to know because you know yeah. but that's happened sometimes where it just seems like a simple crack really accelerates real fast well yeah and that's what happens we call it the point of elasticity it's basically like taking a rubber band and if you stretch it and let go of it goes back to normal well eventually you stretch it past a certain point and it's deformed and then if you keep stretching it past a certain point it breaks okay yeah so and, yeah and ian you know even uh the the saw crack the saw cuts that you'll see in in driveways and and garages we're inviting that crack because we know concrete is going to crack mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's absolutely no two ways about it it has to crack i believe right it has to well it's no, slowly it's, it's concrete's a liquid people think oh this is a solid surface concrete's actually a liquid stays liquid for about a hundred years constantly shrinking and they're called shrinkage cracks to get to the point where it is going to be what it's going to permanently be concrete is a liquid liquid for about a hundred years it gets harder over time stronger mm -hmm. yeah, so i'm walking on liquid then yeah <laughs> That's what I'm doing? Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. Okay, now I have to ask you, uh, uh, Ron, from um, um, Mossy Oak Fence. Uh, do you smile when storms are coming? Is <laughs> yeah, that a good question? It, it is a good question. <laughs> uh, you know, we as a company, I, I'll, I'll brag on Shane Miller. Uh, there's a we're, we're big in the Central Florida market, and there's a radio station called WDBO, which is a, a big station there. A lot of people rely on it. You know, when a storm hits, down goes the internet, down goes your television. People pick up the good old-fashioned radio. And uh, they had us on as a guest talking about what to do now that the storm had hit. And uh, 
we actually had recommended some of our competitors. And that was a surprise to not only the radio station, but the competitors in the market overall. And it's because we wanted people to have uh, a reputable company mm. fix the storm damage. Sure. So as a company, you know, yeah, storms can be good for business, yeah, but, but we hate to see um, we hate to see people lose their fence and, and money and, and a fence is security. You have dogs you're trying to keep in or keep out, children you're trying to keep safe, open pools. Mm -hmm. That's a big safety issue. We really take open pools seriously. But as a company, we actually build materials to make that fence last. So rather than using inferior pine and, and, and wood posts and things of that nature, we're actually trying to design that, that fence to, to withstand some pretty decent uh, wind. But you can't, obviously, if you got a strong enough wind, nothing's going to hold. Now, if after a big storm, and we have a couple a year usually, yeah. uh, do you have to stock up on people just in general? Because you're going to be you're yeah. going to be hit with, with business real quick. We're, yeah, we're blessed with a lot of business. We, we have about 17 crews going out every day. So we'll do, we do about $2 million a month in fence sales. $2 million? $2 million a month. Uh, and we've been steady. <laughs> we we've been steady uh, even after the hurricane. You know, we we tip we we figured we would slow up a little bit, but we've we've stayed rock steady. We're really grateful. Are you talking about not storm just period? You lose two million dollars? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Fencing is expensive. When people ask me during home inspections how much is this fence to replace, I tell them it's one hundred and seventy five dollars every eight feet, and that's just for a low grade fence. Wow. Board on board wood. They're not messing around. That's good to know because I'm looking to open up some other businesses and fences. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't sound like a bad idea. Yeah. Now um, we're talking about the, we're going to talk to Christy Argovich here, the uh, student loan attorney. I listened to you guys talk during the break, and somebody was talking about bankruptcy. If somebody files for bankruptcy, does their student loans go away? Great question, Ian. Um, usually not. You have to show an undue hardship. It's very difficult to do that, even for our elderly clients. Um, but there is something new going on, and that is when you go to private student loans, I mean, when you get private student loans, many of them are taken outside the cost of education. In other words, the tuition, room and board, all that's paid for by the federal loans and grants and things. And so what is that student loan then that's taken for other things? It's actually just a regular consumer loan. It's not really a student loan. It was taken outside the cost of education. Those are potentially dischargeable. And so there's a movement around the country now to uh, discharge those loans and to reopen older bankruptcies where maybe there wasn't an adversary action filed back in that bankruptcy, but technically it was a consumer loan and it should have been discharged. Interestingly enough, a um, couple things. The confirmation order when you have a bankruptcy, it says most student loans would not be discharged. It doesn't say all. And you have a lot of these private student loan companies that are advising the SEC, Securities Exchange Commission, and their own investors that these loans may potentially be dischargeable because they are, in fact, taken outside or could be taken outside the cost of education. So this is an argument that we never hear about. Uh, we have a couple cases pending here in Tampa that we filed that hopefully will have results in you know, a few months on those. And there are a couple cases around the nation. So I think we're going to be seeing more of that. Uh, but that is for private student loans, not for federal. Um, with federal, there's a lot of uh, income-based programs. And so those programs can lower someone's payment to actually zero. So it's very hard to show an undue hardship because if you aren't making money, your payment can go to zero. But you still have a taxable event. And there was a case in Kansas recently where because this person would experience maybe a six-figure or at least five-figure tax debt upon their retirement in age 70-some, that that potentially could be a reason for undue hardship. Because when you're in an income-based program, a lot of folks aren't paying their payments um, enough to pay the interest. So it's an accruing balance. It's amorti negative amortizing. 
and you could have a large amount of forgiveness in 25 years when you really don't have the money to do that. Um, but one of the things I wanted to touch on, Ian, is uh, uh, you mentioned earlier that student loan borrowers, don't they know what they're getting into? And don't they owe the money? They might not. You'd be thousands, but yeah. The problem is, is that they're 18 years old when they're making these decisions. Mm -hmm. They're asked to sign documents that are on computers that are electronic. They don't get copies of them. They don't even read them or know what they're signing. Mm -hmm. Kids can't use computers. <laughs> <laughs> they can use a phone. <laughs> but what happens is, is you might graduate. Another thing is, you might graduate with a reasonable amount of debt, but you can't find a job for a while, mm -hmm. or other life events happen and you go on forbearance. Now the servicers they push forbearance somewhat, somewhat like a drug. You know, to them, it keeps the loan balance intact. It keeps their bottom line looking good. It's not in default, so their investors are, are uh, you know, admiring of that approach. And forbearance is something that at the end of a forbearance period, I mean, it sounds good. The borrower mm -hmm. doesn't have to make a payment. What could be better than that? But at the end of the year, then their loan capitalizes the interest. So now they're paying interest on interest. And that compounding effect, uh, there was a recent article out that people are experiencing doubling, tripling, or even quadrupling of their loan balance. They might have been able to pay the original balance, but they can't pay one that's four times higher. Um, the worst that we've seen is we had a client once with loans from the late 80s that it was 10 times higher. Jeez. And she had actually paid her principal balance three times over, but she owed 10 times more than what she borrowed to begin with because of how long it lasted with that forbearance. And then an interesting thing is if you accidentally default on a federal student loan, mm -hmm. they add 25% to the balance for collection costs. And you can default more than once. So you can have, if you happen to get into a couple problems and you weren't communicating with your lender or the servicer wasn't giving you good advice, you can have a loan that's 50% more if you had two defaults. I see two defaults all the time. See, what's the, this is part of the problem. Um, you know, I, I'm an educated person and I'm, I'm really smart at some things and I'm really, really dumb at some other things. And that's just the way I am. Like if you, if you give me a contract, if I give you a contract, you'll look at it and read it and you'll understand it. I won't understand it. Like, I won't get it. Right. I, I mean, how many people get duped by that? I mean, I, I see you bobbing your head as well because I think you're good at this stuff as well. But how many people do you think get du duped on loans and mortgages and stuff like that just from technicalities of, of, of verbiage? A lot. I mean, I think the biggest lie out there is I, re I have read and understand these terms. Mm -hmm. and you yeah. just click on this little box. That's it. And we see a big problem with public service right now. You have to have a certain loan type to qualify for the public service loan discharge. Mm -hmm. I have very educated people that had no idea. And so they think they're trucking along four, five, six years into a program they're not even in because they mm -hmm. have the wrong loan type. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to come back and we're going to freestyle a little bit for the last segment. So don't go anywhere. This is the Consumer Quarterback Show. We'll be back. Brandon Rimes will be back next time. It's Ian Beckles filling in. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ken Shamrock, and you're here with Consumer Quarterback Show. And I say, Brandon Rimes, knock out your competition. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-670-7372. Online at ConsumerQB.com. Ian Beckles here with my man, Brandon Ryan. You're listening to The Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rimes, online at ConsumerQB.com. Brandon is Tampa Bay's number one consumer advocate for real estate and financial advice. Call Brandon today at 813-670-7372. All right, welcome back. Consumer Quarterback Show. Ian Beckles filling in for Brandon Rimes, who was doing some business in California, I believe, and I guess had to take a red eye and wanted to get a little shut eye, and I, I understand that wholeheartedly. Those red eyes can hurt at times, that's for sure. So um, did everybody 
without getting too political, because that gets ugly sometimes, uh, did anybody see uh, the the meeting with uh, our, our president and Mr. Putin? Did everybody take a good look at that? I know it happened, mm-hmm. but I didn't read anything about it yet. Now, as everybody is, is business owners here, uh, do you find that uh, the the Trump era has uh, affected your bottom line uh, in in the last in the last couple of years? You think has affected your bottom line? Well, the stock market has been doing very well, mm-hmm. and um, I think overall a lot of the economies in the um, country are a little bit better. Okay, um, our, our our clients are back to work. Uh, they're able to pay their student loans. Um, the credit card debt. We don't have hardly any foreclosures anymore. Mm-hmm. We used to do a lot of foreclosure defense. Now, some of that was kind of going out anyway, whether we had President Trump or you know, some other president. Mm-hmm. So, um, How about yourself? Bottom line? Um, I can't really tell. I mean, a lot of what Christy was just mentioning is just carry over from the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. I think my biggest impact is going to be next year where the tax plan goes into effect. My deductible um, that I'm allowed to just write off goes to 22000 Okay. I think I'm going to have like, I think six or 7% more disposable income next year because of the Trump administration, mm-hmm. but it hasn't taken effect yet. Okay. But well, it, well, it has, but it hasn't, its impact hasn't taken effect okay. to me yet. And what about the economy itself? Do you feel the, the economy's impact are coming back? You felt that's affected your bottom line? I feel Obama got us out of the recession that we were in and Trump has maintained it. I think both of them together, their administrations have just continued us on a course of mm-hmm. economic prosperity. I don't really think that one did more than the other. They definitely didn't undermine each other, which was good with regards to the economy. No, I wouldn't say together. I would say separately because I don't know if they agree on anything. To this point, it's I believe it's helped our economy to this point, but I wouldn't say it's together because I don't know if they agree on anything. Well, they... I, I, I generally try and stay out of politics. No, so. me too. But I, that's, I'm not trying to make this political. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just talk, I'm trying to talk about dollars and cents. You yeah, see I just need like I, the economy was doing good and it continues to do good. I mean, they're always looming about another correction, interest rates rising, real estate corrections on the horizon. That's all looming. It will happen. But is that the president's fault? I mean, well, once again, this is not about fault. This is just mm. about our economy and how it's affecting our bottom line. Mm. And for, for yourself, uh, people need fences, but they don't have to have a fence. Okay, so economy is is, is important for you. Yeah, Ian B. I tell you, we we've seen a positive effect uh, since Trump's taken over. Uh, we're we're busier. Uh, we're able to. Uh, the the tax break is is tremendous. The one thing that uh, doesn't get a lot of press, you know, there's a group of people who had stopped looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. And it's that group that said, it's not even worth it for the kind of job or the hourly rate I'm going to get. It's not worth it for me to even get back into the workforce. That has significantly improved. And uh, that's good to see, good to hear. People are back to work who had just basically given up. Now, uh, for yourself, who, who you, you people you're employing are, are, mm-hmm. are laborers. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so uh, have you seen more Americans maybe uh, apply for jobs in, in the last little while. Well, we have we have crews that are are skilled in a certain skill set. We have people that that tend to be specialists with the wood. We have repair repair people who that's their specialty. We have people that are better at welding or in our metal. Uh, we're just we're just as busy as we can be. Um, we haven't we haven't changed people so much as we we've, we've had to hire additional people. I can tell you, in the last year, we've added. Uh, we've added quite a few jobs to our, our plant, to our manufacturing and installing plant. 
Well, that's excellent. Now, Christy, for yourself, when you talk about student loans, has Donald Trump enacted any laws that could help student loans, hurt student loans? I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, sure. Uh, well, I mentioned earlier the public service problem where a lot of folks are not in the program and they don't realize it. Wrong loan type, wrong lo uh, loan payment. Mm -hmm. um, Congress and President Trump did pass a $350 million fund a couple months ago uh, to apply for folks who were in the wrong loan program, payment program. So that's good. Uh, they also made it that if you get an administrative discharge due to disability, it's no longer tax. That went into effect around uh, February that's, that's or so, so one. that's good. Yeah, that's, um, that's good. a really good one, and that's good through 2025. I understand it's part of that um, tax savings bill that might expire at that mm -hmm. point, but it could be renewed. Um, and then one thing is a lot of folks are fearful that President Trump will try to take away the income-based debt forgiveness programs and public service. That's not his goal. During the campaign um, trail, he tried to argue for a simpler plan, a one plan, basically 15% over 15 years. Mm -hmm. And right now we have eight different plans. If someone has a federal loan and they wanna go on an income-based plan with debt forgiveness at the end of a time period, there's eight different ones. And usually we'll see someone in the wrong one and they don't know why they're in it. There's a better one for them with a lower payment or not a taxable event or something like that. And so it would be nice to have one simple program because that would save a lot of clients from being misled by a servicer you know, whether it's negligently or intentionally into getting into the wrong program. So I think that overall, that's good. Um, with respect to the Department of Ed, though, they've kind of backed away and done some things that have been harmful for students. Um, the program that was for borrower defense to, to repayment, which was for these for-profit private schools like Corinthian and ITT and things that have closed down, they've basically put on hold that program. They're rewriting the rules and they're making it a little bit more difficult for students to try to um, discharge that debt. So that's much more of a problem for folks. Um, the D Department of Ed is also uh, looking at whether or not they should um, lessen the Bruner standard for um, undue hardship, like you mentioned in bankruptcy for mm -hmm. federal loans. I don't know what's gonna come of that, but they did solicit comments last month asking for folks what they thought. Um, and, and particularly with our elderly, you know, we've got clients that um, you mentioned uh, that there's a lot more folks that uh, had stopped, give, stopped looking for work, Ron. And, uh, but our elderly, um, when they do find jobs, they're very low paid jobs. And unfortunately, um, we have a high clientele uh, that's you know, older getting up in age where the minimum job that they, or the best job that they can get is really something that's paying less than $15 an hour and they can't repay their student loans on that. So there's still that problem out there. And I'd like to see maybe some more programs addressed to our elderly for student loans. No doubt. Now, Leo, talking to Leo Cannon from uh, Barrel Engineering, you know, when you talk about our economy, you know, making a comeback, you know, if you look back into the real estate, you go back 15 years or so, you couldn't find anything on MLS at all. Now there's everything out there. Is that better? Is that, is that better for, for your business? Well, this is what they call a seller's market. The sellers put houses up and they keep putting what they think are reasonable prices up and they could be too high. So we don't have enough inventory. So in this market, we've actually, and I've talked about this on Brandon's show before, we might've seen an increase in 12% for the average selling price of a home, but we've actually seen a decrease in 4%. This is in the Tampa market, decrease in 4% on the volume. So for us, we need the volume. Mm -hmm. So we would rather have more homes at a cheaper price so we can do more inspections. So, sure. it, so this slowdown, which we are seeing an actual slowdown on the volume, is impacting us. Inspection prices, do they vary uh, on, is it this size of the house? That's the only thing that varies the prices? Well, it varies on the size and the age. And I talked about this on Brandon's show two weeks ago. The new insurance regulations just took effect in Florida. 
where they've changed the four-point inspection, which is what you need to qualify for insurance on an older house, and they've made that form now basically a home inspection. So our prices have had to increase just this week to make up for the fact that now instead of doing a four-page report, we need a 12-page report so someone can get insurance on a house. Okay. Now, Ron, we uh, I have a new uh, headquarters over there, I said, on Gandhi and, uh, and West Shore, and we need a fence, okay? And it is, uh, some, there's salt water, right? Yeah. Ne next to us. Yeah. We, we can't use wood next to salt water, right? Well, actually, uh, Ian, that's a good question. It, it's the material for the hardware. Um, we want to use salt water uh, friendly hardware, stainless okay. steel fasteners, uh, galvanization. There's just certain things that, that we're going to look for. Mm. The, the key is corrosion when you're near salt water. And wood, not so much. Uh, it's more of the metal. Uh, in fact, you'll notice a lot of docks have held up pretty well. It's the sun that really takes it out of the mm. wood. Uh, but yeah, we, we have fasteners that are stainless steel. 316 grade is really what you want. That's what you'll see in a, a high-end boat okay. cleat, uh, the boat rails. Uh, that, that's what you're really looking for. Aluminum. Now, here's, here's an interesting thing, Ian. A lot of people say, oh, you know, aluminum doesn't rust. It's, that's not exactly the case. In the terms of rust and ironization, that's correct. But aluminum does corrode. Okay. Makes it, a lot it's sense. a white, powdery. So aluminum does corrode. It just doesn't rust because that's what iron does. Okay. What, about, what about vinyls? I mean, obviously they don't rust, but what about vinyls by the sea? Uh, that, sounds like a, that sounds like a song, Leo. <laughs> Vinyl by the sea, our, our new restaurant. So, so that's a great question. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, a lot of the PVC fences or the plastic or vinyl fences that you see out there are actually recycled or reclaimed. So this fence that you're getting installed might have been the dashboard of a Buick or someone's mattress in its former life, and it got renewed. Sure. We use a virgin vinyl that was designed to be a fence from the beginning, and it's uh, impregnated with titanium dioxide, which is actually the active ingredient in sunblock. So there is a difference even in PVC fences. Well, virgin vinyl that's impregnated. That's the first time I've heard that one <laughs> ever in my whole terms. entire that's life. It's I'm, wonderful. So I'm in the fence business. <laughs> I love our verbiage. That's an oxymoron. I love it. <laughs> All right. For uh, <laughs> Ron Fuller, uh, Mossy Oak Fence, if people want to get in touch with you, how to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Just go on the website, uh, www.mossyoakfences.com. Look us up. We do service all over Florida. We've, we've grown so much. Our, our headquarters is in Tavares, Florida, but we service Tampa's needs every day. Christy, how do people get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, the website is C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E, and it's Arkovich, A-R-K-O-V is in Victor, I-C-H.com. Uh, one thing is, is we have a uh, uh, ebook, a free ebook, how to take mm. your life back from your uh, from your student loans on our website, and our phone number is eight one three two five eight two eight zero eight. Beautiful. Real quick, Leo. Barrel Engineering and Inspection. We can get to be found at barrelprojectengineering.com. The easiest way to do it is just Google Barrel Inspection or Barrel Engineering, and we pop right up. Perfect. Everybody want to get in touch with me? Uh, all social media at Ian Beckles. I appreciate Brandon for letting me sit sit in. Everybody, uh, this has been real. Consumer Quarterback Show. Have a great week.
Are you a real estate agent looking to take your business to the next level and supercharge your marketing? Hi, I'm Brandon Rimes, owner of Platinum MVP Realty and host of the Real Estate Quarterback Show, syndicated radio and TV show talk program on iHeartRadio, 1025 The Bone, daily five o'clock drive time on 1380 The Biz, and our TV show is on WeBeam TV. We're looking for real estate agents that wanna join our team and supercharge their marketing, utilizing some of our innovative strategies. We utilize the Real Geeks platform, Facebook marketing, internet marketing, and a lot of the traditional methods as well. Postcard mailers mailed for you. Postage, signage, business cards, all paid for by the company. Aggressive real estate splits, and ways to help you win in any marketplace. We need you to go out, take applications, and work our plethora of leads that we're generating on a daily basis. Reach out by clicking the form below, and we'd love to have a confidential interview with you.